Hello and welcome to the Soulful of It podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Raquel, and today I'm joined by yoga and astro nidra facilitator, a guide, astrologer, a human mother, and self-love advocate, Jana Romer. If you enjoy this episode, please remember to go give it a five-star rating on iTunes and share it out with your networks. Okay, let's jump into it. Welcome, Jana. I am so excited to have you joining us on the Soulful of It podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Carrie. I'm very excited to be here as well. I've been following your Nidras. I'm big on Insight Timer, and I've checked out all your stuff on there and could not say enough good stuff about what you're putting out into the world and how uplifting and just wonderful you are. And in tradition with this podcast, to kind of help introduce you to our listeners, I would love if you would share with us your sun, moon, and rising signs. Sure. I am a Libra sun with a double Virgo moon and rising. Ah, I love all that Virgo energy. It is pure grounded goddess earth energy. (laughs) Yeah, it's been my lifesaver, actually. I find that when life gets tough, I get grounded. So in crisis situations, a different part of me shows up that I attribute to that Virgo stellium actually that lives there. Those of us who need more earth in their lives are going to take that mantra and run with it. (laughs) When life life gets tough, I get grounded. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah, helpful. So from your sun, moon, and rising signs, I always like to put together a little archetype sentence and surprise you with it. So are you ready to hear that? I'm ready. Okay, so you are the liaison of harmony, which is your Libra sun, with the soul of the healer, which is your Virgo moon, who appears to the world as the midwife of awakening, which is your Virgo rising. And yes, I stole that archetype, the last one, from your Instagram profile, but how could I not? It so resonates. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Thank you. People must love that. Yeah, so that's you in a very quick nutshell, but we're going to be digging into a whole lot more about you in this episode, and I'm super excited. So get to get us started, let's start chatting about some yoga nidra together. Sure. It's my favorite thing. So a lot of people don't have any idea what this is. I'm sure some of our listeners will be well-versed, but plenty of them will be like, yoga nidra, is that like a type of yoga? What What is that? Can you give us a little bit of insight on how you explain what yoga nidra is for those of us who maybe do know a lot, but want to hear your perspective and for the many who might maybe have no idea what that is? Yes, definitely. I think the name in itself, yoga nidra, sometimes also pronounced yoga nidra, is a misleading name because everybody knows what yoga is And they associate it right away with asana. So you think yoga, you think warrior, (laughs) you know, you think lunges (laughs) or handstand or wheel or something like this. But yoga nidra is actually for the people that uh, love shavasana. (laughs) It's for the people that um, need to be deeply rested, that need restoration. And also it's for people who are curious psychonauts. When I first discovered the practice of yoga nidra, I was 
pretty riddled with social anxiety and my mind never stopped moving. And it was incorporated into a, a class. I think it was called something like soul flow. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> it know, sounds it like soulful. <laughs> yeah, it fits you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it was a class where there was a really fun sequence, a good playlist, a nice beat. And then we laid down for 30 minutes and did this yoga nidra practice. And so when you're laying down, what happens is your body will naturally start to fall asleep. And the practice is to keep awareness present to the experience of your body sleeping. Now, I think that for people that have done yoga, if you can ever remember a time when you were in Shavasana and it was like you disappeared from the room and you weren't sleeping, but you weren't there, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) it's like, I don't know, it's kind of like a little confusing when you come back to, you have to figure out where you are in the world again. That would be almost a glimpse into what the state of yoga nidra is. But what we actually do inside of the practice is if you understood the mind to have layers to it, so the mind has, you know, the thinking, analytical, processing mind. So like right now you're listening to a podcast and you're wondering what this woman's talking about. It's a little bit confusing. And then you start to think, hmm, well, that was, I did have that experience once, you know, like that's the, that's the processor mind or the analytical mind. And then there's almost like this bridge in the mind where if you can get underneath that analyzer, there is this vast pool of consciousness. And we can call it the subconscious mind. I've heard people refer to it as the unconscious mind, although in my lexicon, I call it the subconscious. Um, It also is where dreams arise from. And within this part of the mind or the layer of the mind, we hold the history of all of our experiences. So... Inside that subconscious mind, there might be a memory of an experience that is stored as a feeling or a symbol or a flash of an image. And it doesn't necessarily make sense anymore, but it's storing history. And this part of the mind doesn't just live in the brain. It lives in the whole body and it lives in the space inside of you and it lives in the space all around you. And so what we're doing in yoga nidra is when you let your body fall asleep, you actually just kind of float underneath the surface of the analytical mind into that giant pool of subconscious awareness. And then the practice is guiding you to open the door of different experiences. I know this is a little bit confusing. It's actually much easier to do than not (laughs) than explain. (laughs) But one thing that I, that I think is really cool about it. If you, if anybody's familiar with like neuroscience and the nature of the mind, especially with teachers like Dr. Joe Dispenza or Bruce Lipton or, you know, any of these people that are working with changing the program, you've probably heard that language. When we get underneath the analytical mind, we can actually witness 
our own triggers, our own belief systems, and process unfinished memories in a way that is so gentle and loving that it's almost as gentle as water evaporating from a pond. And as you do the practice repeatedly over time, you are free from your previous sufferings and you're liberated from past experience. And it happens so quietly that you don't even notice it's gone until you're not reacting to life the same way anymore. Does that make sense? That sounds phenomenal and sign me up. (laughs) I'm like, yes, the non-reactive, like, that's the dream. That's the dream. And I think a lot of folks, especially listeners who are close in age to me who are in the Saturn return chapter, are aware of like how reactive they've been and are trying to heal and access some of that past data that's just so deeply stored in the subconscious or the unconscious, whatever you want to call it, that just feels like you can't access it. And we're told like you have to go to therapy and that's how you can do that. And I think, I think yes, therapy is a great thing, but also we are our own greatest therapist yes. is something that's become very true to me. And I feel that yoga nidra kind of creates an opportunity for that therapy role within yourself to come up onto the stage of your life. 100%. Absolutely. That is why I'm so dedicated to the practice right there. You summed it up beautifully. I love it. And how long have you been doing the yoga nidra practice in particular? Well, I met the practice close to 15 years ago, but I didn't respect it because I didn't understand it. And I didn't feel like I needed it. (laughs) Although that class that I told you about when I first did it with my anxious mind, when I woke up from the practice, I had no idea where I was. I only was aware for the first couple minutes of the practice. I'm not sure if I fell asleep or if I was awake for it or what happened. But for the rest of the evening, my mind was silent for the first time in my memory ever. And it was the most peaceful evening of my life. So I don't know why I didn't keep doing it. So that was about 15 years ago. And then I have a six-year-old. And when I was pregnant with him, I started to revisit it. So really only six years ago, and or seven years ago, I guess. And then when he was born, I made it a daily practice because I was so tired. <laughs> and <laughs> they say that um, 30 minutes in the practice of Yoga Nidra is like two hours of deep rest. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's another reason why it's another benefit of the practice. So, and since then, so for about the last seven years, I've been extremely dedicated to it. It's been, I was a daily meditator before. Once I got into Yoga Nidra, I basically like ditched my daily meditation practice and started this laying down meditation instead. And I still meditate, but I'm much more committed to this because well, there's so much to it. I could I could deviate away up more, and I but I will just say one thing because I dropped in in the very beginning that it's kind of like a sober psychonauts dream, and that's that when you're in the state. Remember how I said it's kind of you're sourcing information from the same place as your dreams. Mm-hmm. So when you're in the state of yoga nidra, you actually start to release a different chemical cocktail that allows for visualization to occur more like that you're receiving the vision than if you're imagining something. Mm. And so 
that only started to happen to me over the last three years of doing it. But since that started happening, I've completely become addicted to the practice. And what a good thing to be addicted to because what does our society need but a little bit more sleep? So many people are not getting enough sleep in this like productivity culture that we have. And we've seen that fall apart during COVID and people realizing, wait, we don't have to all work in the office. We could work from home. There could be flexibility. I could get more sleep. And maybe a way for me to begin getting more sleep is just by integrating a practice like this into my life. Well, it's so true. And there is a a psychotherapist who's been studying yoga nidra from a medical scientific perspective and the effects that it has on reducing anxiety and depression and helping people move out of insomnia and PTSD are are statistically significant. So his main uh, demographic that he uses in his studies are actually war vets. And so, you know, you think of who has PTSD the worst out of society is anybody who's been in any sort of trauma and, you know, people that have been to war definitely are carrying trauma and they've had the most extraordinary results in his studies. So I think it's actually really good medicine for these times with, uh, I mean, who hasn't had their world shaken over the last year and a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Man, I love this so much. I think it's such a beautiful practice. And one thing that came up that you mentioned was that you were a meditator for a really long time. And I think when people are hearing you explain yoga nidra, they might be confused thinking, but isn't that meditation? So from your perspective, can you share with us what you think is the difference between yoga nidra and meditation, especially because you have practiced with both for such a long time? Well, I'm going to share from two perspectives. First, I want to start by saying they're complementary to each other. Mm. So meditation is, in my experience, a little more masculine in nature. We're seated. The spine is erect. We are attempting to control the mind, you know, whether it is a mantra meditation where you're repeating OM or an assigned mantra. Um, every time you have a thought to try and gobble it up or focusing on your breath or focusing on a candle or, you know, the many different methods of meditation are all an attempt to master your mind. So there's control, there's focus, there's doing inside of the meditation. And my understanding of meditation is all of these techniques are eventually to open you to a space where the technique is dropped and you awaken to a merge-like experience with source, right? <laughs> like, I don't know who gets there, but that's the idea, right? Totally. Um, and in Yoga Nidra, what we're doing instead is you lay down. So immediately now, instead of being this vertical posture, you're in a horizontal posture. And instead of attempting to control the mind, we surrender to the many undulations. So in meditation, we're trying to calm the undulation of the mind through control. And in yoga nidra, we're saying the many undulations of the mind are here. Let's watch them. And as we watch them and we allow them and we, we make room for every emotion on the entire spectrum to have its place within the practice, it calms itself 
by observing it rather than attempting to control it. And so it's just, it's just, I think they're the yin to the yang. It's the, it's the mama to the data, you know, it's the divine masculine or the sacred masculine and the divine feminine um, meeting. So to me, these two practices, they're like consorts to each other. And there's a great love story between the two of them. And when I look at yogic philosophy, we talk a lot about the eight limbs of yoga where you know, there's these eight, it's like an eight fold path to your own awakening. They start with um, yamas and niyamas, which are kind of like a, a governance for your behavior in the outside world is a yama. And then a discipline around your inner world is a niyama. I might be simplifying that too much, but for the sake of this, we'll leave it at that. And then after that, so yamas and niyamas, and then there's asana, which are the yoga poses, which what most people think of. And then there's pranayama, which is breath. After that, there's pratyahara, which is the withdrawing of the senses from the external world, awakening your senses in the world within. And this is the point where the practice starts to invert from the external world to really waking up to the universe that lives inside of you. And that's the point that yoga nidra is entered. When you close your eyes and you pay more attention to what's going on inside of you. You're more fascinated by the subtle undulations of life force within you. And we start to become masterful at understanding, not controlling, understanding the complexity of your own self. That is where we begin the practice of yoga nidra. Now, the only technique that we're using is lay down and observe. <laughs> That's it. Then there's two more. They're called Dharana and Diana. And these two of the eight limbs are, um, they are kind of like degrees of focus. One is the focus and concentration is coming, but it's still broken. And then the next one is a more steady stream of concentration. And then the final one is samadhi. And that is that merging of oneness where the witness becomes the one being witnessed. And so both meditation and yoga nidra are going down that path. But a lot of times because there's this in meditation, we're fighting with our bodies to even just stay seated. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how many <laughs> meditators out there are like, I just love sitting. <laughs> or when you start, you know, beginner meditators, they're like, oh, my back was sore, my hip started hurting, and then my knee was aching, and I got up, and my leg was asleep. Like, so instead of getting to that calm place where you're able to witness yourself, you're kind of fighting with the pain of the body. And in Yoga Nidra, we're like, well, just lay down. <laughs> and so <laughs> the mission in Yoga Nidra is just to not fall asleep. So, they each have their own way to get us to that same blissful state. But I find the yoga nidra to be easier to get to. So it's not called yoga nap time. <laughs> you got to make sure people aren't falling asleep. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that first class that I said that I went to, I would say for the first five years after that, anytime I went to a class, it was definitely a yoga nap for me. I fell asleep every time. <laughs> And having guided the practice for as many, like six years, as many years as my son is, I definitely had tons of people snoring in class. <laughs> so it's not the idea, but it's also okay because just like if somebody was trying to learn a handstand, we don't expect to, on the first day learning a handstand, to just nail it and hold it in the middle of the room. You know, there's a process to get you there. And that's the same with this. We're going to lay down. You're going to fall asleep. And maybe you just needed some more sleep. And to me, that's a win. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, definitely. Totally mm-hmm. agree with you on that. So we've covered a lot of ground about yoga nidra, but I'm curious if there's any other magic of yoga nidra that you would like to share with us. I think what I'd like to do is expand a little bit on a couple of the ideas that I shared earlier. And that's that yoga nidra will meet you exactly where you are. So if somebody is coming to the practice, they could lay down for the exact same practice as somebody else. And everybody will have a completely different experience based off of your current needs. And so the person that falls asleep, they get what they needed because clearly they needed rest. The person that is working out a breakup may have a very vulnerable and precious moment with their own heart. The person who is dealing with anxiety may just get a rest and a break from their nervous system being in overdrive. A person who is kind of awakening their intuition and some of their psychic abilities, the exact same practice will meet them there and help them to open up more of their intuitive abilities. And so that's one of the things that I love about it because the script itself is merely a candle or a flashlight into the cave of your own heart. And what you find, what's illuminated with that candle is as unique as the individual. And what I find to be the most magical is that, let's say somebody laid down for, um, I remember you mentioned that you're a Pisces moon. My, my husband and my older boy are both Pisces moons as well. So let's say you laid down for the Pisces Astronidra, where you went on a journey with it last year compared to this year, maybe completely different like completely different because you've changed. And so even though the guidance is the exact same, the depth of that inner cave is so vast that you never quite know what you're going to get. And then along with that is you might think that you're going to the practice to heal one thing, you know, like somebody might come to it because they can't sleep and it gives you something completely different. <laughs> I'll never forget this one woman. I used to I used to go to the Manduka Yoga headquarters in Los Angeles twice a week and guide the practice on their lunch break. And there was this woman there who she lived downtown LA and it's really dusty and they lived in an apartment and um every morning they would open up the window to get fresh air, but it was whoever left the apartment last had to shut the window. Otherwise the place would get dusty and it would make her so mad. She would come home. The window would be open. She'd be so mad at her partner for leaving the window open. (laughs) It would be this repetitive fight, you know? Yeah. And when she was doing it at work, she thought it was a really nice way to check out of the office and to increase her creativity and productivity. So the rest of the day was better And she came to me after about, I don't know how long, maybe a month or two after I was coming. And she goes, you know what happened? I came home and my partner left the window open and I wasn't even mad. (laughs) And I was like, oh. (laughs) She goes, 
I think I've learned to accept the things I cannot change, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it was just such this huge revelation for her that it, it's helping her soften her hard edges, you know? And so she thought she was coming to it for creativity and it was actually making her softer and more loving in her relationship. Ooh, and, so, and that kind of speaks to the Venus Mars that you were saying between yoga nidra and meditation, like the receptivity piece is like, we don't realize how receptive we aren't until we know. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you just said the Venus Mars. I never even thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, wow, I wonder if I'm going to do meditation, maybe I'll base it on like my Mars is in Sagittarius, but if I'm going to do yoga Nidra, well, we're going to go deep because I have Venus and Scorpio. <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting because I actually create walking meditations for Mars. Ooh, I love that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I need one of those. I need to get my hands on those. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I'll share with you. <laughs> um, the other thing about the magic of the practice is that people learn how to understand the chemical composition of their own emotions. And I, I'll explain that. So inside the practice, there's this thing that we do where you go through pairs of opposites. And so it like, can you give me an example of, a, of an emotion that you struggle with that you don't want to feel? Ooh, definitely anger. <laughs> anger. Okay. So what would you say the opposite of anger is for you? Uh, for some reason, I wanted to say hunger, but I know that's not the answer. <laughs> Just because I know when I get angry, it's often it's because I'm angry when I am angry. Um, so the opposite of anger, I feel like is the opposite of everything joy or is that just me? I guess it, to me, it's just no, no, no. Wait, peace. Peace is the opposite of anger. I had to talk it through to get there. Okay, that works. They both could work. So let's say um, every time you're experiencing anger, you're also feeling stress. And so your anger was infused with cortisol mm. or adrenaline. Well, inside the practice, the when the body is sleeping and the mind is aware, the endocrine system actually isn't able to produce cortisol or adrenaline. And so anger itself has a unique chemical com composition or recipe that on its own doesn't include cortisol or, or adrenaline. Now... When you allow yourself to feel anger inside of the practice, I probably wouldn't just say feel anger. I'd probably like inch you towards it. So I'd start off with like a pair of opposites, like hot and cold, you know, hot being moving us towards anger. And then I might say uh, frustration and calm, <laughs> right? And then I might, you know, just keep bumping it up so that you can get to anger eventually. Mm. But you'll get to feel anger in its purest form. And then you'll get to feel joy in its purest form. And because all you're doing is witnessing this and you're feeling it happen, you start to be able to recognize feeling in the body as the chemical composition of a certain emotion. Because often what happens with something like anger is that it builds towards the stress response. But anger itself has a different feeling that if we know what it is, we can recognize it before we're stressed, before it's explosive. Wow. Yeah. And then that's where we get to 
first of all, feel it and recognize it. And then before we turn red, we can start to work with it because anger is sacred. You know, anger is a catalyst because it means that something needs to change. And oftentimes if we let it get all the way to the place where the blood is boiling and we're seeing red, our ability to communicate the change has been compromised. And so we're not as effective in our life, in our relationship, in our in our modes of communication, because now we've got this really feisty chemical cocktail cursing through our coursing through our veins that makes it so that we are maybe saying things that we wish we didn't later on. Ooh, I'm thinking of a reintroduction to the emotional body through yoga nidra. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. So many of us are just feeling all these feelings all the time and so unaware and detached from the root of them and what's like clinging on to them. Like you were saying about anger and stress, it's not often that it's just one and in its purest form, we don't need to, de- to demonize it. That's right. And I think we do so much demonizing of emotions like anger or even grief. It's like, well, I shouldn't feel this way. I can't keep, you know, being sad about this. It's in the past. And it's like, well, if you haven't taken the time to sit with that emotion, to understand and unpack the emotion and say, well, where are you really coming from? How can I heal you? How can I be with you? How can we go into the yoga nidra cave inside of our minds and keep digging until we get further and further and find our own inner healing? That's right. And what's the opposite of grief? Like it's love. You know, we only grieve because we love so much. If you didn't love something, you wouldn't grieve it. You'd be like, okay, peace, bye, done. Totally. But we're bonded to it, and that's why we grieve mm. it. There has not been more grief in the air than there has been in the last year plus, I would say, collectively. Absolutely. Even me, I'm like, I haven't gone through this this level of grief for things that are also, some of them very minute, but it's just the stacking of multiple things and then the compound grief and suddenly it's like wow there's just so much of it everywhere so being able to reintroduce myself being able to empower our listeners to reintroduce themselves to their emotions is such a beautiful powerful practice oh my goodness yeah and you know what they have studied with emotions is that lots of people end up only able to feel a small spectrum So I don't know what the number of emotions are. It's a lot. (laughs) But (laughs) most people end up feeling, you know, maybe five or six emotions. One of the men that I enjoy listening to, his name is Donnie Epstein. He talks about emotions. The first three emotions we feel in a day are the only emotions that we're able to feel that whole day. Whoa. And I'm not sure if that's 100% true. I forget to check in with how many emotions I'm feeling in a day. But the times that I have, I've noticed that the tone of my day is often set and it takes a significant reset to get out of the emotions that start my day. So I don't like waking up to an alarm clock because I feel frustrated right away. And then it's hard to get out of that feeling of frustration throughout the whole day. Where if I wake up to, I mean, now I have a 14 month old that basically wakes me up with kisses and it's the best thing in the world. (laughs) So I get to wake up with love every day and it's easier to have love running through my whole day when he wakes me up like that versus waking me up to biting, biting me or something. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Totally. Right. And so if we're, if we 
unconsciously or subconsciously are really only working in an array of six emotions typically to be able to open up that spectrum is such a gift to understanding our needs i feel like that's a great starting like start your day routine is to wake up and say okay what are the three emotions i really want to feel today mhm i had a guest on the podcast jessica thiefels And she said that she wakes up every morning and she asks herself, how do you feel and answers and listens and hears how she really feels and then asks herself after that, how do you want to feel to help align herself with like, where do I really want to take this day instead of letting this day take me? Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I love doing the practice first thing in the morning. Like for me, what I usually end up doing is my little guy wakes me up for some milk and then I can get him right back down again. And then I stay, well, I usually go to the bathroom and brush my teeth and scrape my tongue. And then I come back into bed and put my earphones in and just do a practice right there before anybody else is awake. And then my whole When the world is quiet. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I love that. I also feel like this makes the case for morning sex, not to take us there, but I'm going to take us there for 10 seconds. Take us there. (laughs) If you start your day off with an orgasm every day, am I right? Like, your day is going to be great. <laughs> That's a very good point, yes. You don't have children sleeping <laughs> in your bed, obviously, but I cannot wait till the day I can do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I have a – my co-host on the Transits and Tarot said that his new thing is that he wants to scream out his his desires that he wants to manifest during orgasm to, like, put more power into it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. That's awesome. He's like, I tried it out. Yeah. He's like, I tried it out. It was kind of strange, you know. And the person was like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, clear with your partner first. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I'm like, I really, really, really need that stimulus check. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Here in the States. Oh, oh, man. But you're in Canada, though, right? Or A? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were in Venice. And then when the pandemic hit before the first lockdown, uh, my hu- it's a longer story. But the short of it is I basically looked at my husband and was like, let's get out of here. And he did not argue with me. But we thought we were leaving for a couple of weeks. We didn't realize we were moving here but as things unfolded we just decided to stay i'm canadian so he's american makes it we can be in either country i love that i love my canadians my amazing friend nura rochelle is also canadian and an astrologer and there's just a lot of overlap but i tend to attract canadians my boss is also a canadian (laughs) so i i love the canadian folk they are we need them, <laughs> especially us Americans. We really, really need that Canadian energy. <laughs> Did you see that meme that was going around that every American can apply to get a Canadian therapy partner or something? No, what did they say? <laughs> it was like making a joke about like, uh, what do you call them? Therapy dogs? It was basically yeah. saying you can get your Canadian therapy dog, but a human. <laughs> if I'm going to get a Canadian therapy dog, it may as well be a Canadian friend for sure. I'm down. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm a, we're going to need to sign me up for that too. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I love everything you shared about Yoga Nidra. I definitely feel like we could take this for days and talk about it forever because it's just one of those things that unfolds and unfolds the further you de- you dig into that cave. Um, but the last question I have for you about Yoga Nidra, before we're going to jump into some Astro Nidra questions, 
is have you experienced any sort of spiritual awakening or another kind of awakening that you know came from your yoga nidra practice? Okay, are you guys ready for some out there kind of stuff? <laughs> oh, let's go. If it involves aliens, extra bonus points to you. <laughs> uh, no aliens yet, but I'll keep it. I'll keep a watch for them. Um, so, a lot of people have heard of um, ayahuasca and the active chemical in ayahuasca is DMT. Mm-hmm. And um, within the practice of yoga nidra, I've had experiences where. I am being dosed with DMT and what it, what the way I know is obviously I've done ceremony. <laughs> so I know what it is. Um, I've had the experience taking it in a ceremony with a, sh- with a shaman and, and um, what I actually did, I've done ayahuasca, but specifically I did um, a five MEO DMT ceremony. And then I feel like it kind of opened up a pathway. So it was a bit of a shortcut, but, but what's happened inside the practice of yoga nidra is there's, like I was saying, how you get to know the chemical composition of your emotions. What I realized was happening through my studies with Dr. Joe Dispenza is that the, what he has learned is that we can go from melatonin. Melatonin is the chemical that is released when the sun goes down in a natural world or when we're in darkness. And as it morphs, it goes from melatonin to hibernation drug like a hibernation chemical that's similar it's like a benzodiazepine if you're familiar with that Mm -hmm. and it it basically puts you into this deep state of calm and then there's a similar chemical that it morphs into that's kind of like uh what the butter what a caterpillar gets right when it turns into mush before it turns into a butterfly and then after that uh, it morphs into one more chemical and then it morphs into DMT is what his studies have, have discovered. And what I realized in the practice, there was, it happened during uh, one time I was guiding the practice. I wasn't laying down for it. I was guiding it. And I was actually guiding a yoga nidra training for new guides. And before I started the, the class, I actually had no idea where I was going with the practice. I typically am very prepared and I know where I'm going, but this one, the training, it was actually supposed to be, my teacher was supposed to be with me and she was going to be the main teacher of the training. And then because of circumstances in her life, a car accident and things with her kids and whatever, it all kind of piled up at once. She couldn't travel to come to the training. And so this was like, I think it was the second morning, the second day of a seven day training. And I didn't know what I was going to lead. And I sat at the front of the room and I had them just breathing. And I went into kind of a prayer. I was like, you know, my, my, my uh, call before every meditation is how can I serve? How can I be of service? Please use me as a vessel of your work, dear spirit. And so I did this and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm open to receive. Let this, let your work pour through me. And when that happened, I, then I went into the body scan. So in the practice, there's stages and the body scan, what it does is it brings the brain, it brings the nervous system into a state of coherence. So I go into the body scan and I have zero distractions because I don't know what I'm going to do. I decide that the practice is one of listening and receptivity. So I'm just going to do that. I start guiding through the body scan and what happens in the body scan was I felt that transition into that deep state of calm that Dr. Joe Dispenza spoke about as being the barren hibernation. I felt that happen. 
And then I took them into the to the energetic body. And as we went into the energetic body, this is another stage of the practice, I felt my whole body basically drop out from, like I basically felt my body drop out and all that was left was this pure consciousness. But at the same time that that was happening, my heart started beating so hard, I thought it was going to explode out of my chest, like explode out of my chest. And Dr. Joe always says when things are happening and you've never experienced them before, always ask what more can you experience and stay in as much love as possible. And so I decided instead of being afraid of my heart exploding, because I already was melted out of my body and I was already, <laughs> you know, like I was in this completely relaxed state. I just said, what else do you got for me? And I fell in love with this opportunity to have a unique experience. And as soon as that happened, there was this flash of white light that just like rickish it like flew up my spine it went up into my skull and the flash of white light anything that was left of my body completely disappeared and I was in this hallucination where all of a sudden my consciousness was as tiny as a single cell And all I did, I didn't even realize what I was doing until I was looking back at it. But all I did is I guided the practice based off of what I was being shown in this visual experience. And what I was being shown was like a single cell in the heart. And then that single cell was a red blood cell and it went for a journey through my body. And then that single cell expanded out into the universe. And so I just described these things and asked them to see this. And I was taken on this extraordinary journey through the practice where my whole um, inner energetics were rearranged. And I don't know if you know what a Taurus field is, but a Taurus field is, it's at the root of everything. It's at the root of the energy that is planet Earth. It's the shape of a donut. So it moves up through the center of the body, through the heart, through the crown of the head, and then it rounds outward like a donut around your body. And as it's doing that, it twists and then it comes back up through your center. And so I went from I went and basically exploded into a Taurus field. <laughs> and so I just kept explaining this to the people. And at the end of it, I didn't want to leave. And so I left them in this silent space and I sat there. And as I sat there and experienced this ecstatic state, this completely blissful state, it was like I had taken uh, an external DMT with the shaman, just like the experience that I had before, except I hadn't taken anything. And as I sat there, when they were in silence, I got this message that in this state is where the teacher resides. So my teacher was unavailable to teach me, but it was actually from within the state that all of the teachings to share with this group of people lived. And like, I shook for about an hour after the experience where it was like my whole body was just vibrating. And I, and I, I had them take a break and journal and stay in silence while I went outside and like gathered myself again. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. You know, I was like, wow, that was weird and awesome and whatever. And, and, and then for the rest of the training, I realized that if I just started off by saying, I don't know what I'm doing, please, I'm open to receive let the teachings come through, you know, like I'm here to, to, to allow the teachings use me as a vessel of your service, you know? 
And so every class after that, all I did is I went into the body scan not knowing and open to receive. And it would happen every single time, not to that same extreme, but I would be shown how I needed to teach every single time. And so to me, that was the awakening of me as a teacher or as a guide of this practice. Because now, even when I when I record these astronators, I never know exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> I just go into that and, and I wait. And if I'm not getting that, like if I find myself using my intellect too much, I scrap it and I wait and I do it again until I, until I hit that state again. And so, you know, all the world is talking, not all the world, but there's a little microcosm of human beings that are talking about microdosing. And to me, the microdosing is my, it's why I keep coming back to the practice is to get my little microdose, have my little conversation with God, get my instructions on how I'm here to serve and what I am here to create and offer. And then, um, yeah, I don't deviate from those instructions. <laughs> So that's my crazy, weird experience. I don't know. Maybe I told too much stuff, but that's, yeah, that's, that's what happens. Wow. I love it. The only thing that can make that crazier is if there were aliens involved. I'm pretty sure. Right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and some people real. might think it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's out of this world. <laughs> I love that it happened while you were also the facilitator, not the receiver too. How powerful. Well, it taught me so much about as a guide, like that's why I don't actually say that I'm a yoga nidra teacher. I say I'm a yoga nidra guide because I'm receiving the practice in real time as I'm sharing the practice, you know, so I'm in the state of receptivity. So then my transmission to the people that are receiving it, my transmission is that of receptivity rather than that of leading. So I'm more aligned with the experience of the practitioner than I am with the experience of the teacher. Someone else can teach it. I'll just be the vessel to transmit those teachings. Wow. I love that. And it flips a script too, because there's so much energy around this, like looking up to a guru and that person's a teacher and that person has the answers and I'm the student. And you're really breaking through that mold and saying, I am the teacher and I am the student. And the same is true for you. Mm -hmm. And doing this practice will show you that inner teacher, the one that maybe you haven't been engaging with or even are aware of your whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, and also maybe it's that I'm not the teacher, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm receiving it as well. I'm a transmitter. I'm a transmitter. I'm a transmission. Like I become the point of transmission, but the teacher, you know, since then I've learned that there's actually a goddess yoga nidra. Ooh. And so now my, my invocation is actually to the goddess yoga nidra now that I know that's a thing. Wow. Beautiful. So she's still the teacher. <laughs> like she's the teacher and I'm just this student to her. But then, you know. That's so lovely. Everything about that is just so lovely. And one of the things you did mention a few times is this Astro Nidra that you have created. And I'm so curious because we're all about astrology here at the Soulful of It podcast, how Astro Nidra came into existence for you. 
Well, I'll keep that story short. So when I did my first training, the my teacher, uh, my original teacher, her name is Tannis Fishman. She's absolutely incredible if anybody's interested in taking the yoga ninja training. I mean, I do them too, but I highly recommend my teacher as well. <laughs> I live in a world of non-competition here. Um, so yeah, Tannis had us write two scripts and hand them in as part of our certification in her school. And the very first script that wanted to come through me was called Attune to the Moon. And it was a it was a yoga nidra to attune you to whatever the moon's message is. And ironically, it's the not ironically, I guess, sort of serendipitously, I just found the script that I had written not that long ago, and I recorded it. And it is the free practice on my website, Attune to the Moon, <laughs> that anybody can do. So that's, I guess, where it began. But really, where the astro nidras began was I realized that when I was doing yoga nidra and then shortly afterwards writing my new and full moon write-ups like my astro insights that the journaling of my own life or my own reflections from practice were so aligned with the astrology and so mm. I was getting this direct transmission from the astrology through the practice and then I was teaching in a yoga studio in Venice Beach California and I just started always incorporating astrology into both the yoga and the yoga nidras that I would facilitate. And there was people in those classes that were like, hey, you need to be streaming these classes or you need to be recording this or doing something with this. You need to share this with more people than the ones that are showing up in this class. And I was like, what? Nobody would care. <laughs> and she was really insistent. She was like, no, I think you should. I even have hashtags for you for Instagram and everything. You know, she was like pushing me, pushing me. <laughs> And so finally I did, I did three recordings and they're actually the three practices that are up on Insight Timer. If you didn't know, that's a Capricorn, an Aquarius and an Aries. I miss Pisces. Pisces is in my husband's voice. I should re-record it. But those are the first three, or I guess I did four, but those are the first ones that I did. And then life got busy and I just kind of gave up on recording because it was so much work. <laughs> you know, you do podcasts, it's like editing and all the things. Um, so I let it be while I was running a 200 hour training, but I was still doing them live in classes and I started streaming them through my Instagram account without telling the yoga studio. So if you followed me on Instagram on Monday nights, you could come for these live astro nidras through Instagram and they would stay up for 24 hours, how lives used to work. Then I decided to try, you know, getting into a rhythm and recording them again. And that's basically how they were born. I love that. What a great birth story. And with astronidras, I'm wondering how can folks use the astronidras to help them embody the highest teachings of the current astrological weather so that they can experience things like you were talking about, an awakening or a spiritual transformation of sorts? Well, all you have to do is do them. You know, I'm going to correct one thing that I said. It's not that I don't know what I'm doing. I always know the theme, you know, like mm. if we're working in... Um, well, I mentioned Pisces before I, in 2020, right before the pandemic broke, I recorded the Pisces one and, you know, Pisces rules the lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. And so I learned about the lymphatic system from an embodied experience and from Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, if you're familiar with her work. And I incorporated that in there, but like where the practice went itself was guided from, you know, that teacher from within. And so I take the astrology where it lives in the body or emotional themes or intellectual themes or, you know, some sort of theme from the current astrology and I bring them into the practice. And what I've realized is it becomes 
kind of like cutting out the middleman. <laughs> so we can read astrology, you know, you can read, um, I always love Chani Nicholas's predictions, you know, her, oh, she's her, so good. <laughs> she's so good. You know, she's just, she's the queen of astrology in so many ways. And she um, does such a good job. She just waxes poetic, poetics all over my weekly astrology. And I love that. But what's happening when you're reading these is that somebody else is telling you how you feel or how you should feel right now, which oftentimes what it really is, is a validation for how we feel. And that's why we all love astrology, because it's just validating the human experience over and over and over again. Amen. (laughs) Right? And yet at the same time, what if you met the astrology without a middleman? You know, like what if you just met the energy or the theme of the astrology and instead of being told like this is how you should feel or this is what's coming up in your life right now, we just put you into the body, into where astrology is living in your body, into a state of tremendous receptivity and listening. And then you got those insights yourself. So I actually don't think that it's, this or that, I think it's like, and also, you know, I love it. Wow. I just love your whole philosophy and how you approach the transformational work that you're doing here on this planet. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. And you know, the, the astronages, um, I've had, it's, it's kind of one of those things where a lot of people that do it once or three times, they do it all the time just because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes a part of the routine. And I've had different people come to me and tell me their stories, like how it's helped them and what's going on. And, and in their lives, it seems like it's everything from finally having the courage to leave a relationship or to ask for a raise or, you know, through the pandemic, so many people said, it just let me remember that I'm capable you know? And so it's not like we're looking for these grand spiritual awakenings every time. It is a practice that lets us be okay. You know, it's like in a time of so much uncertainty and so much upheaval and so much not okayness, (laughs) you know, like however that manifests for everybody individually is unique. It is like a grounding cable. It's an anchor. It's a, uh, a method of moving back into your heart to remember like you incarnated for this time. It's not a mistake that you're here for this pandemic. It's not a mistake that you're having to leave the job that you didn't like. It's not a mistake that you're in a roommate situation that you're in, whether it's good or not. You know, like none of it is a mistake. And I think that's what the practice reminds us is that it's not a mistake and you're able to deal with it because you're dealing with it. And it's here because there's whatever life is presenting you with is here because it's massaging something else out of you or into you. And if we just take that time to unplug from the chaos or the uncertainty or the shock or the surprise, and we plug back into the source within ourself, you know, then that source within ourself is abundant with wisdom and abundant with solutions and abundant with innovation. We just have to go listen to that. And so to me, the astro nidras themselves are nothing more than a remembrance to listen to that inner genius that is just waiting for you to listen, you know? 
Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes to all of that. Wow. The wisdom well in you runs so deep, Jana. It's amazing. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I want to get too. another cup. I'm ready to drink it up. <laughs> I mean, and it's in every single one of us. That's the coolest mm. part about it. It just needs to be accessed. Yes. And we have to create that space for it. And something like this so simple to integrate a practice like this into your world and think, oh, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll just take a nap. And then years later, months later, days later, whatever it takes for you with the practice for it to sink in and for you to look back and go, I've changed and I like who I am yeah, and I'm aware and I'm in this body and I'm present in ways I haven't allowed myself to be. And I think that's a lot of the escapism that we see with like, technology and then the like the doom scrolling I've heard a lot of talk about that and I'm like wow I did that I didn't even realize that's what I was doing you know right (laughs) well and you know I've I've been doing these cosmic walking meditations too which are so helpful because you know we we need to get outside and walk and a lot of people are listening to podcasts not that I want to take away from podcasts I think podcasts are awesome we're listening to podcasts we're listening to music we're listening to news but what if you went for a walk and for 22 minutes of that walk you were listening to a meditation that you're doing walking in the world one of my favorite ones that I wish just ran all year long is when mars is in cancer i have you looking at everything and allowing yourself to fall in love with it you know so it's like you see a tree you fall in love with the tree you see somebody else walking you fall in love with them you see a homeless person you let yourself fall in love with that homeless person and so as you're walking you're exercising something in yourself to change your perspective to make your life better Mm. I'm such a movement as medicine type person where like I do have to go on walks like I literally have to I'm like my own dog. I take myself for walks like every day. It's probably because I don't have a dog still. So I'm like walking myself out, you know, creating that space. (laughs) But something like that is so good. And you know what? If you go on a long enough walk, you got time to listen to this episode and time for a walking meditation. You just got to go for a longer walk. That's all. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Wow. This is all just so wonderful. I've got some wrapping up questions that I love to ask towards the end of our time together. Uh, And one of them is, do you have any daily, weekly, or monthly routines other than, of course, the obvious yoga and astro nidra that you would recommend for others to consider or try out? Um, I think once a day, no matter what kind of mood you're in, to consciously evoke an elevated emotion. So even if you have to dig really deep for it, you know, I think that if we look at ourselves as electrochemical beings, we want to make sure that we're pumping some good chemicals through our system. So even in the darkest of days and, you know, the most depressive of moments, if you can find something to laugh about or fall in love with something or, you know, I I think that would be my highest recommendation is to pump some good chemicals through your system by playing with your emotions. Mm -hmm. Did you evoke any specific emotions today by chance? Well, I have a 14 month old, so I'm just in love all the time right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And actually I, I ate, um, a half of a dark chocolate bar before we started. <laughs> Ooh. You know, they, they say that has some oxytocin release with that dark chocolate. 
Yes, yes. I love cho- – I'm like a chocolate monster. I will eat anything that's chocolate and – I blame that on my two years that I spent working at a chocolate cafe. You did? Yeah, I know. I should definitely, definitely have diabetes because I ate chocolate literally every day for over two years. <laughs> That's like a dream job for me that I could never let myself have. <laughs> it, it was like a very slippery slope. And if they had Oompa Loompas, I probably would have stick, you know, stuck around for the long haul just because I'm all about that Willy Wonka <laughs> reference. But yeah, chocolate is everything. Chocolate's <laughs> the best. Yeah. So good. Okay. So another question for you is, is there an affirmation or a mantra that you've been really enjoying lately? For me right now, it's all about focus. And so this isn't maybe sounding like a positive one, but it is for me when I catch myself scrolling or um, on it too much, I say, is this, is this how you want to be spending your time? <laughs> I just ask, mm. is this how you want to be spending your time? I've noticed that often leads to, wow, I just spent 30 minutes on Instagram. I could have recorded a new meditation in that time or, you know, and just really reevaluating how I'm using my most precious resource, which is my time and my attention. Amen to that. I don't think that sounds bad at all. I I mean, a lot of people might hear that and feel like called out, but which myself like included, (laughs) but it's not a bad thing. And something I talk about on the podcast a lot is when you feel that and you maybe you have a practice like that, like, Hey, is this how you really want to be spending your time? And then it turns into the shame spiral where you're like, Oh God, I could have done this. I could have done that. It's like, call yourself out, but then call yourself back in. Exactly. So as long as we're like finishing that, which I think is something that gets left at the wayside so often in our culture, in the world is like, call yourself out, call that person out, call that person out. It's like, you got to call yourself back in as well. Like you can't just leave yourself on the side of the road feeling shameful because you did scroll or you're doing the doom scrolling or whatever it might be. Um, But yeah, identifying. How do I want to be spending my time? I love that. So powerful. Mm -hmm. So I've got some really fun, quick, rapid fire questions here at the end that are just a simple this or that. And my only rule for this section is that there are no rules. (laughs) So it can be you can choose one of the two answers. Of course, you can choose both or neither, or you can fill in the blank with your own answer that you think is better. And we'll just go through them pretty quickly. And uh, again, there's really no wrong answer. Are you ready for rapid fire questions? This sounds so fun. I'm actually like kind of (laughs) giddy. It always is really fun. So I love doing it. Okay. So we'll start out with new moons or full moons. New moons. Sunday or Saturday? Mm, Sunday. Candles or essential oils? Oh, what? I have to choose one? Can't I put essential oils in my candles? (laughs) You can say both. (laughs) Yeah, both. (laughs) Tarot cards or oracle decks? Uh, Depends on the mood. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit of both. (laughs) A little bit of both. Yeah. Morning person or a night owl? Definitely a night owl, but I'm teaching myself. Well, my 14-month-old is teaching me how to be a morning person. Oh, I love that. I'm I'm on that same train of trying to become a morning person eventually. I'm hoping that's the gift of my Saturn return. I'll update you in two to three years. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. How about read a book or listen to a podcast? Oh, uh, both because sometimes I just can't read, but I can listen. And sometimes I can't listen, but I can read. So both. Has to be both. So relatable. 
Yeah. Okay. How about phone calls or text messages? Everybody's texting, but I'd rather jump on the phone. Same. Crystal gems or crystal balls? Jeez, you don't make these easy. <laughs> I think gems. Love but it. Crystal about... balls are like pet planets. Do you ever look yeah. at them and be like, that's my pet planet? Uh, I have seen some shit and some crystal balls. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm all about that. Seeing beyond divination. Uh, second to last one, coffee or tea? Tea, hands down. Coffee's a no for me. Big no. Oh, I love that you honor that. Yep. All right. This one's my silly one. Nickelback or Nicolas Cage? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go Nickelback only because I'm Canadian. <laughs> Are they Canadian? They're Canadian. Yeah, they're from Dang, Canada. Dang, that's Alberta. why they're so good. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. thought, you know, y'all have Bieber, which I'm not like a big Bieber fan, but uh, Lights is Canadian. I love Lights. I don't know if you ever listened to her, but she's so good. No, yeah. I'll have to check it out. She's super good. She's also a crazy talented artist. I went on a rant about her to a friend recently, and I was like, you don't understand. She's not just like – an amazing storyteller and singer songwriter, but she also does her own art to go with her albums. It's crazy. Anyway, okay. she's a Canadian. <laughs> okay. I have somebody for you then. You're going to love Aldous Huxley. Ooh, I like the name already. She's from New Zealand and you don't just listen to her music. You go straight to YouTube and you find her videos. She is extraordinary. Aldous Huxley. You got to check her out. I will definitely add her to my list. And now our listeners also have somebody to go look up, Aldous Huxley, or maybe a little bit of Lights or a little bit of both. Yeah, I'm going to check out Lights for sure. I love that. So I've got some fun fill in the blanks uh, to take us to the very ending of this episode. Okay. So these are just fill in the blank with whatever feels good. And again, there's no wrong answer. Are you ready? Yep. Dreams are... Oh, um... My fa- one of my favorite places to hang out. Mm. Astrology is. Uh, astrology is. Astrology is going through a massive renaissance. Ooh, so true. The opposite of fear is. Courage. Mm, beautiful. Healing sometimes looks like really messy so true (laughs) one of the biggest gifts you can give another person is transparency and attention Ooh. and last one one of the biggest gifts you can give to yourself is I would say attention again (laughs) I think attention is the greatest thing like isn't that what we all want Oh, yes, absolutely. I was actually recently chatting with a friend about exactly that, her giving her attention away to somebody who just spent it like it was cheap, you mm-hmm. know? It's And I reminded her, attention is a currency. Mm-hmm. Spend it wisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love that answer. That resonates with me so deeply, Jana. Mm. So – this is the Soulful of It podcast, so I always like to ask my guests this. What are you soulful of right now? Mm, I would say I'm so full of wonder. Ooh. I have been noticing 
all the ways that I fought my life before, you know, like trying to push things to happen at a certain time or not wanting something to happen or, you know, whatever it is. Um, the things that didn't work out are all my truest desires that are most aligned with my life purpose are all working out in their own time. And the things that I was fighting, it wasn't that I needed to fight them. It's that I needed to rearrange a few things before I could get what I want. And the universe has always been taking care of me. And so if I stay more in the state of wonder and allow the universe to show me that it's always working for me, the more harmonious and magical my life has become. You know, I'm just in awe and in wonder of how absolutely astonishing nature, earth, this human experience. And because I'm so immersed in astrology, I've been having this experience where I can see the whole earth and I'm noticing I chose to live in this one particular spot, which is unique from all the other particular spots I could have chosen to live. But then we're also on this earth that is spinning faster than we can comprehend, flowing, spiraling around a sun that is spiraling around a galaxy that is spiraling through the universe. Like, and I just love that panning out of where we are and what this is all about. And it just continually puts me into a state of awe and wonder. And every time I land in that state, there's nothing wrong in the world anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like the great healer of my life right now is to be full of awe and wonder. Mm, to be soulful of wonder. Mm. Yeah, soulful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I just love the way that you engage with change as well, because that change was also from what I've heard, pretty ab abrupt to be like, well, we're going to be here for a couple of weeks. Oh no, never mind. We're moving here. <laughs> yeah. And you're approaching the change with wonder. And that's one of the most amazing skills to have and to have to have built the resilience within yourself to have the ability to approach change with wonder. I mean, what a gift to our listeners just to be able to hear you reflect that that is how you've chosen to live your life. Yeah. And you know, I think I can attribute that to the practice of yoga nidra, honestly. Yeah. It all comes back around full circle. Yeah. And, and astrology though. Yeah. Right. Like, and astrology, because don't you find like the fact that the total demise of system and structure was predicted in the astrology that this whole year, like all of 2020, I should say, has been way less abrupt for me. I'm like, oh, wow, that's what that meant, <laughs> you know? And now I'm looking at 2021's astrology and the Saturn-Uranus um, squaring, and I'm like, wow, okay, I don't know what that's going to be, but I can tell it's going to be big, you know? And so I think they both help in the transitions, you know? They both they both help us to be more at peace with reality. Yes. And that's exactly why everybody needs to get their hands on some of these nidras. They need to know where can they find you? How, how can they connect with you? And do you have anything else that's going on in your world that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. If you can remember Attune to the Moon, you can find us on Instagram. It's at Attune to the Moon or the website is attunetothemoon.com. I have a Facebook, but I don't really pay attention to it. 
Um, and then we're just going to be probably uh, getting going on a YouTube channel as well, Everything Attuned to the Moon. And the way that you can engage with the with the Astro Natures is it's a super affordable membership there. And the website is, instead of being governed by a Monday to Friday, um, seven day a week and clock, uh, it's governed by the ephemeris. And so when you open up the membership, you only ever see practices that are appropriate for the astrology in that moment that you open it up. And so we try not to put too many practices on there. So you're not having decision fatigue. And then the only question is, do you want to lie down? Do you want to walk? Do you want to sit or do you want to move (laughs) or do you want to dream? There's dream work on there as well. And so everything is aligned with the astrology and we do new moon circles and full moon circles. And we do things like mercury retrograde journeys where we kind of walk you through. So you don't need to know anything about astrology. You just have to be interested in being the best version of yourself and, wanting to get the most out of it. So yeah, attuned to the moon is where it's at. And actually we should, um, there's a the level of membership that's called the expander pass and it's $22 a month, but I think we should give the soulful code for all your listeners and they can get it for 50% off for life. So it'd be $11 a month for life. Oh my goodness. It's going to be a yes from me. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. So you heard it here first, guys. For our listeners who are still with us, use code SOULFUL, that's S-O-U-L-F-U-L, at attunedtothemoon.com to get 50% off of your expander pass for life. That's an amazing deal, Jana. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And then I'm also an insight timer. You mentioned that right at the beginning. But Insight Timer is another great hangout too. Oh, definitely. I'm a big Insight Timer fan. So when I saw you on there, when I was doing my research on you before we got the opportunity to collaborate on this episode, I was like, oh my gosh, of course. Of course you're on Insight Timer. I'm obsessed. (laughs) It's so good. There's such an amazing community over there. That app is awesome. It really is, but you're also building quite an amazing community, and I'm so excited to be a part of it and to introduce all of our listeners to all the magic that is you and all of the magic that is flowing so beautifully through you. You're just such an amazing channeler, honestly, is what I would call you. Aw, thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's such a gift to be able to come and share with you. I mean, look at you. You're this connector. You're so full of inspiration, bringing all these incredible people together and really amplifying. So thank you for being a person that helps amplify. It's all the Nicolas Cage, I'm pretty sure. That's what it did. Well, I think it's your Pisces moon (laughs) ruled by Jupiter there. Just like Mm. part of your emotional, (laughs) your mission is to help expand things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for mirroring back to me some of my magic. I really appreciate it. And I know that our listeners are going to find so many nuggets of wisdom in the words and insights that you shared and also just from within themselves from hearing you share these things. And I'm so excited to continue connecting with you and cheering you on and being a part of Attuned to the Moon and following you on Instagram and all of that good stuff. I can't say thank you enough for joining us, Jana. It was such a pleasure to have you. Mm, thank you so much for having me. What a, what a gift. And with that being said, we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Soulful of It podcast. 
And until next time, bye-bye.